1: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Brian Degman and I'm very, very pleased to be joined by an all-star international cast today. We've got Jared Hill from South Under in Australia. Jared, how are you, fella?
2: Yeah, pretty good, Brian. Good to be on again.
1: It's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, the orator, the guru, Jim Orr. Jim, how are you?
3: Is that me, mate? Aye. Good. Still got my call for two weeks ago, so I need to stand a bit back from the mic. I got a lot of What's a grief last time for sniffing and sneezing? So I need to sit back a wee bit. So that's my plan for this week. You know, it too.
1: just shows you how well-respected you are, that that's all you grieve for. Everybody well, That was the least lot That lot was of the of problems I got time last time,
3: time aye. That was a be doing
1: something right. um, and of course, we've got our, our world-weary traveller, Natasha Miko. We've pinned her down for a, a Friday session. Hey, Natasha, how are you?
4: I'm good, thank you. I am very pleased to be joining you guys on a Friday. And as I was just mentioning to you before we came on, I think I've now completed my Axon bingo card because I've been on with everyone in our group except the legendary Jim Orr. So now I've got the final one ticked off the bingo card. So I think I can retire. I think that's it after this.
1: I'm part of a bingo card. (laughs) <laughs> you, you can't get any higher than that. Once no, you got no, the Google no. there's, there's only one way <laughs> down to there. Um, I, feel, I feel validated. Feel- uh, you should, Jim, you should. Um for those that are wondering, uh, Laura is pulling a Miko. She's disappeared on holiday and she's been uh, inundating the Axon cult with pictures to make us all jealous. Uh, so I'm sure she's watching. So Laura, hope you're enjoying yourself. Um let's just start off and the biggest game we've had for a, a couple of days. It was, uh, of course, shakhtar Donetsk in midweek. A massive European game. Um, obviously, the previous game against Real Madrid, it seemed like there was a sort of unity. People were sort of saying, oh, we played really well despite the result. There was a lot of positivity. I get the sense that after Shakhtar, there wasn't quite the same unity. There seemed to be different opinions. Some people really disappointed. Some people you Know sort of defending the team, so I'm just going to go round the table and get some of your thoughts. So, um, Jim, we'll start with you. What was your sort of key takeaways from the Shakhtar Dinesk game?
3: Surely, ladies first, Brian. If you're hosting <laughs> us. you have to listen. It's
1: 2022, Jim, right? Absolutely, I have it? to be Jim. Um, it's I'm just oh, doing right? as I and at the moment, you're
3: So, I think we wanted a couple of teams in the group with a chance of beating, and I think Shakhtar fitted the bill nicely. I think from what we saw the other night. Uh, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I can't understand why people would be disappointed. They're like, OK, we should have won, didn't win. But you know, the, the football we're playing is great. It's, it's brilliant to watch. Uh, I thought his team selection was pretty interesting in playing Haksabanić Is that how you say that, Haksabanić? Because I think in time, he'll be the third member of that front three. I think he looks technically better than both Maida and Abada. And if he starts scoring some goals, I think, uh, I think he'll be one of them, uh, top three. Uh, I thought it played really well We could have been three goals up before they scored A wee bit of luck And you're in there and then we lose the goal Juranovic A wee bit sloppy Joe Hart, I thought Could have done better He seemed to be going to duck out of the road Very fortunate not to lose the quick goal after that uh, With the ball just going out of play It was, just, was an offside, was it? I can't remember We were happy to get to half-time But once we got to half-time Totally controlled the game Played some really nice football Really good to watch Really, really good to watch. And just a shame we didn't manage to win the game. I mean, but for Jakimakis, you know, inches out from scoring the goal, Yota, had a couple of really good runs. I thought they were ever so good. And it made such a change watching that kind of football rather than you know hiding behind the couch in a Champions League away match. You know, it was good. And we were just a wee bit unlucky. And I think, as I said a second ago, I think it builds confidence when you go away and you play like that and you dominate the game as much as we did. So I have no fears in this group. I don't think I'm getting... Ahead was ourselves, I think it would be a huge achievement to actually get out of this group. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was just really good to watch. A, a good team under a really good manager, and long may that continue.
1: Brilliant positive start there, Jim. That is excellent. Jared, are you going to bring the tone down, or are you going to join in with some of the positivity here, fella?
2: I think Jim's basically reading from what I had in my, my, my brain going on here. He's just, like, stealing all my thoughts here, Jim. He does
1: that. He's, he's the
2: Oracle of Axum, that's why. So, um, yeah, for, um, for me, yeah, echo a lot of what Jim said there but the only thing I want to add to it is we we're a bit wasteful but I'd rather be creating those chances and missing them than not creating them at all so that's the silver lining I'm looking like at least we're getting into positions where we can we're getting some fair chances especially away in Europe like a couple of years ago it was like well, even last season in Europe it was like away game Oh yeah, if pretty much didn't rate ourselves to even pick up a point away from home. So like you look at Lazio away where we won that, how big of a deal that was for us as a support. We've won away in Europe. To go away in Europe and pick up a point, that's a bonus. Now we you got to take care of business at home because Leipzig and Donetsk, I think we could take points off them. And then it's a matter of, okay, are we, what's going to happen when they all playing each other as well? Who's going to drop points wherever, but yeah, we're a chance for second or third in the group. I still believe that. I just want to be playing in Europe after Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's key. I think yeah. that's always that, that, the key thing. But Natasha, I, I, I'm assuming you sort of agree with the guys here. I saw you nodding away. But what I want to ask is, we were wasteful. I think that's a criticism that you, you have to see. Um, I say. I see I was a bit defensive. Some of the players, I saw Jota getting a lot of grief. I saw, you know, mentality questions and stuff. I don't really buy that because of the standard, but... What I want to ask you is that wastefulness, is that a concern? Because it is something that's been kind of consistent. We can get away with it domestically, but are you worried that's going to cost us in Europe?
4: I wouldn't say it's a concern. It's been frustrating, it has, because there was definitely the chances there for us to win the game. Um, We just weren't quite clinical enough in terms of taking them. I mean, you look domestically, we're scoring goals for fun domestically. Just look at our goal difference compared to the rest of the league but we need to try and take that goal-scoring form into Europe. Now, obviously, that's a much more difficult task because we're playing against much better teams. But like the guys have said, I think we can take a lot of encouragement from the way that we're playing. The goals are going to come if we keep playing at the standard that we're playing at. Um, You know, we are playing very, very good football. No, it's not perfect because we're not scoring the chances that we're creating. There's room for improvement. But what we are doing, like the guys have said, is that we are performing well at the highest level. So we can take a lot of confidence from that going into the remaining games in the group and domestically too. Listen, I I agree with what they said. I think we we did play really well against Shakhtar Donetsk. You know, and if you you keep in mind that we're, you know, the pot four team, we're coming away from an away game saying that, you know, a point was disappointing. You know, a point is good. You know, a point away from home in Europe is good um, regardless. But it's almost a really positive indictment of the football we're playing and the expectations we have for the team that you come away with a point and think, could have and should have been more and I think Angel will know that too I think he'll appreciate that that's the sort of sense we got out of the dressing room but again I think that only has to be seen as a positive because that's really going to push us forward for the remaining games um, and I'm excited to see what's what's to come in those because if we can build on what we did against Madrid and Donetsk then I think we've like Jada touched on I think we've got a really good chance of European football after Christmas and that could be Champions League if we keep going the way we are. Just to
3: follow up Natasha's point there, I mean, there's a huge gulf between the teams are playing every week and the teams mm. are playing in the Champions League, the Champions League, you know. And I think you, you do get less time, you know, you are closed down a wee bit faster. I mean, mm. we can play in the Scottish League and you know, take loads of time over passes and take loads of times over chances, and, and, we'll, and we'll get that time because the opposition isn't that clever. Whereas European games, because I mean, I've not been on since the Real Madrid game, but the chance of I had, the chance my either had in those games. If it's Scotland, they score them because they'll, they'll take an extra touch. But I thought watching a battle against Real Madrid, you're thinking, we're playing Real Madrid, you've got a chance to go one up here. There's, there's tens of millions of people watching this worldwide. That's pressure compared to maybe you know scoring the seventh goal at times. You know, so, so that's different. And I think the game other night, you know, dead unlucky. You know, Yaki Machi's chance, he hit it really quickly. You know, and in here you maybe take a touch and put it away. So I just think. The standard is so much higher. The stakes are so much higher. So you don't get as much chance. You don't get as much time. So, as Natasha said, anything we get with these games is great. It's brilliant. And I, I don't understand why people would be thinking the other night was was anything but really, really good. Yeah, a bit wasteful. Yeah, this, that, and the other. But if you compare and contrast what we were like the other night, compare a couple of seasons ago, mm-hmm. we have no idea what we're doing. We've got a shape. I mean, played at a really high tempo as well. Good passing. It says it's a. We know what we're going to do. Watching Celtic now, we know what we're going to get. You know, 90s out of 10, it'll be dead successful. Champions League, that's a step up. Another night, I thought we were fantastic. But it's about yeah, blood in the
1: young uh, guys as well. Yeah. Sorry, Jared, on you go.
2: It's about blood in the young guys, because we've got a lot of guys, it's their first time playing Champions League. Yeah. And as you're saying, Jim, they're good domestically, but it's that step up. It's like about learning the levels. Last year, mm-hmm. Europa League was too much for this team. This year we've won a league in the meantime, and now we're in the Champions League. We went toe to toe with Real Madrid for fifty five minutes, and then we go away from home against Shakhtar, and look at what we've done. We realistically we picked up a point. We should have won the game. So it's about getting used to playing at that level, and eventually the game's going to slow down for the guys at Champions League level where they're going to see the game and not be rushing. And once that happens a bit more clinical and I think we'll see what we're seeing in the league transferring over to Europe. Now, whether that's in the Champions League after Christmas or in the Europa League, well, either way, it's experience. Their guys will get there. These six games are all a learning moment for them.
3: Yeah, I think also the fact, I mean, people have said that can we compete at that level? Well, I sure not Should we can compete at that level. I mean, how, how good Shakhtar are? Who knows? We took four of Leipzig, so that's a good It Can't happened. be that bad. So I think we're competing. We weren't expected to compete with Real Madrid because I mean, there was some comments, but just ridiculous after the game. This is a reality check. It's only a reality check if you do something that you're not expected to do. If you get gumped by the best team in Europe, that's not a reality check. That's just that's just life. And as you said, Jared, fifty-five minutes, toe to toe, head to head, all those other cliches, bite your hand off for a point all that stuff. <laughs> you know, I thought we were fantastic. As you said, up to, up to 55 minutes. Once they scored, it was a kind of... The bubble get burst, you know, and they get tired really quickly after that. But it has to be a really good team to compete with them toe-to-toe for 90 minutes. The other night was a good example. We went to a tough place, got a point where a better team dominated the game. I think we can compete at this level, yeah. Very encouraging.
1: So, so follow comes in, says so Sunday would be a good day to get Abelgard. I don't, have a of I don't know if i that name. Big Ollie. Call him Ollie. We know who we're Lynch talking about. And uh Bernabé at some time. We're going to come to that later on. we're going to discuss some of the players and some of the rotation. Just based on what you've said there then, it seems like there was the expectations almost skyrocketed. Because for me, Natasha touched on something, she said, we're playing away from home in Europe. It's not just Europe, it's the Champions League and we're dominating mm-hmm. games or dominating that game. So I think expectations through the roof. Do we think that's something that came back to to haunt us? Because I feel like this idea of expectation if we play say Leipzig at home, home draw, and draw then the fans start to get negative or a bit more insular, a bit sort of I mean carried away is basically what I'm asking Charles <laughs> you first
2: yeah I think expectation is a little higher than probably should be because let's be honest when was the last time we are in the Champions League And um, second year under Brendan Rodgers so since then it's been Europa League a couple of times And, yeah, it's a big step up, young team, as I said, and I think sometimes you've got to lower your eyes and expecting we're a pot four team, as Natasha said. So, for me, it's not really realistically going off the pots and all the rankings that we should be the team coming last. The fact that we're in third at the moment and we're still a chance to potentially be second or third in the group, like that's a step in the right direction for me. Get through European football after Christmas and win a knockout phase—that's a successful season in Europe for me, whether that's in Champions League or the Europa League, because we haven't won a knockout phase game after Christmas since what 2004. So that's progress. So we've got to—we've got to go baby step. We can't be expecting to go in and uh, you know win the Champions League this season. Come on, be, be realistic.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably right, Natasha. I get your yeah. take on because again, it, it feels like, to to Jara's point, we are better than last season, and all these expectations are rising. Do you think they're rising too far, or do you think we're still largely sort of realistic about chances?
4: No, I I don't mind the high expectations to be honest, and what I see that as being a product of is that Andrew's installed this belief in the club Um, and that's important for the players and the fans and in such a relatively short period of time he's managed to get the players to believe in him and the style of football he wants to play and then when the results start coming in that you know really solidified that belief in him it got the fans believing in him and then you know when the fans could see it working again it just creates this whole atmosphere that we do really believe that what he's doing and what he is building is something special and because of that your expectations do grow. So we saw what we did domestically last season. We say, "Okay, excellent. Show us what you can do in the second season. You said you'd be back bigger, better, stronger. So yeah, our expectations are increased. And so far this season, his second season, he is living up to that. Um, In terms of Champions League, yes, there is a sense of realism. And yes, our expectations are high, but I'm okay with that. And I think Andrew's okay with that. I mean, what is the point in going into a competition that you don't think you can compete in, Gio? Um, And Andrew said before, you know, he took Australia to a World Cup thinking that he could win it. That is his attitude. That's the expectation he sets of himself. He has high expectations for himself, for his teams. And that's the way, you know, it should be. So, yes, our expectations are high, but I don't think unjustifiably so. I don't think like we've touched on finishing second is an unrealist unreasonable expectation for this Champions League group. It's a difficult one, yes, but all it takes is for you know if Madrid win their next three games, we win our two home games.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox
4: That's, that, that is that us finishing second. And I know what I've just said there is, hey, all it takes is these five results to happen and this can come in. But I don't think they're an unrealistic set of results. So, yeah, high expectations, but a really good indictment of how good our football has been on the range.
1: I think that's that's actually accurate. And I can't talk about expectations at all. I said they took Liverpool. I said we'd give them. <laughs> well, I never said we'd them, but I said we beat them, so I can't really talk. Uh, Jim was on that podcast with me. Jim, one of the exciting things about Ange's um, Natasha touched on, apart from the football we're playing, you know, to play that football you need good players, and we've, we've got some fantastic players mm. in, and I feel like there's a, a connection with the players, unlike we've not had for, for quite a while. A lot of them always have that sort of cult status, where you you sort of they're almost heroic in a lot of ways. Um, who for you stood out sort of so far this season? Um, whether they've been you in or have been in here last year, have they improved and where do you see that improvement?
3: I think before answering that point, Brian, you can you can speak as much as you want, pal. It's all right, you just you just speak, it's fine. In terms of expectations, I mean how you set your expectations at the start of the season. I don't think your expectations really should change from game to game. And I think the couple of Celtic at the start of the season, you expect to win the league and expected of European football after Christmas. That's that's the expectation. How you go about that, who knows? But, you know, that's that's the expectations. And I think we made a good start to the league and we made a decent start to Europe. I think you can only start to think about things, maybe after the first set of fixtures in the league and maybe after the halfway point in the Champions League you can sit and maybe, maybe reassess your expectations. But, but those are the, for, for me, those are the core expectations. Europe after Christmas and whatever competition it's going to be. It'd be great if it the Champions League. It'd be great if we took a scalp in there somewhere but in terms of expectation that's how I go in terms of the players uh, this season uh, you're right they've all been very good they're a dead likeable team they're a likeable yeah. bunch of guys You know, there's, no, there's nobody on the team who's thinking, "Oh, I don't like this guy I don't like that guy You know, and, and that's down to Ange I mm. think in terms of he's bought those kind of players obviously that fit into that kind of system uh, we've got a big squad guys aren't getting games that must be difficult for him as well for him to manage that I know the big man says it's not his job to keep people happy but but it kind of is to keep them happy. Otherwise they'll not be happy. But there does seem to be a kind of a kind of good bond amongst the team. In terms of standouts, I think Yota and Hatati are the two guys for me that kind of make things happen. And we've scored tons of goals and they're behind Abada as well. has been quite clinical. I think at times he's maybe not been that involved in games. But the number of goals he's scored has been phenomenal. McGregor just keeps things ticking along. Taylor's been brilliant. You know he's the kind of whipping boy. Time for me, this season the defense haven't lost many goals. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Let's just keep it going. I think the big test will be when we lose a game, or we go and, or we lose, or, or we drop points domestically, or we go behind in a game, and whatever. You know, so when things are okay, it's you kind know, of everything's great. But you know we haven't had a wee setback yet, and we will have a wee setback at some point in time. You know, and. Uh, we put Real Madrid, I was just hoping we'd play well and not get a doing and although we get, you know, lost to nothing, we actually did play well the other night, great as well. So, all the league games, pretty much perfect. So, there's been no setbacks yet. So, once we get a wee setback, let's see how they react to that. But in terms of answering the question, they've all been great and they're just a dead likeable team. They're such mm-hmm. a likeable team and he's such a likeable manager and uh, again, I'm going to say long may that continue. That's what I said 10 minutes ago when you asked me another question. Because that is, it's great. Just, let's, let's just keep it going. It's a, it's a fantastic thing to be a Celtic fan.
1: Yes. Urban Culch comes in, we will beat the next at home. European football after Christmas is within our grasp. I think we're all kind of in agreement with that, Urban. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I come to you, Jared, Natasha, you were on your head vehemently to tail- to Taylor. Um, yeah. who's improved dramatically. Um, give us your thoughts on him.
4: Yeah, I've been saying this all season, to be honest, um, on social media, and I'm getting more and more agreement as the season goes on. But There is really a strong argument for Greg Taylor being our player of the year so far. I know that sounds um, very bold to be saying at this time of the season, but on the basis of the games, you're in
3: Brian territory now. (laughs) Watch Natasha. I just caught you
1: on a Friday, though,
4: one Ah, year ago. I caveated it with so far. So far. So far. far. Um, In the games, I think he's been excellent and he just keeps getting better and better. Um, I'll hold my hands up and go back a year or so ago. You know, I'm agreeing, I don't know if Taylor is good enough for Celtic, I don't know if he's the quality that we need in our team. And then last season he proved, you know, yes, he was good enough. He had some outstanding performances in some of the bigger domestic games. And then the conversation starts to turn to, oh, well, he's he's not going to be good enough for Europe, though. You know, he's not going to make that step up to European football. And then over the last couple of games, again, he's like, well, yes, I can, and I can play well. And I thought he was one of our top performers against Donetsk, Um, if not our top performer. um, I thought he was absolutely... Excellent. So I think he's probably one that's that's overlooked. Um, but he is very reliable, um, very consistent so far and offering a really solid option at left back. I don't particularly know where that leads Burnaby at the moment, but I don't see him getting that shirt off Greg Taylor anytime soon because, yes, as much as your you're Jatas and your Kyogos and your Maidas and Abadas are creating the magic up the top with players like O'Reilly and Hatati and the football they play is the stuff that gets us out of our seats and gets us excited – what Greg Taylor is
1: doing at the back can't be underestimated either. Yeah, yeah it's a credit to, to both Angie's coaching and the player because he's almost like a Ralston 2.0 in terms of that, that exactly. service. And I think one of the things we've consistently said, we've always sort uh, of, well, not all of us, but most of like fans have said he's probably not the first choice, but we like his attitude. Whereas now I think he is the first choice and I think, you know, he, he's that's partly him, partly Angie. And just the <laughs> level consistency has been excellent. Uh, speaking of consistency, Jared must have consistently top man from Oz. Um Who's who? What players for you have stood out uh, so far this season, and who do you think has been the most improved? If it's not Taylor,
2: oh, that's a that's a nice little caveat there. If it's not Taylor, um, <laughs> kind of hard because, oh, geez, I'd probably say the guy that has impressed me the most is going to sound really strange. Would be Kelmac. Because not only is he still playing in the number six, but he's pushing forward now when when we're bringing guys on. So it's good to see him still being able to do that. But just something Natasha was saying before about Taylor, and I want to tie that in, is Ange has done a great job with the development there. You're seeing it in the comments now as well. But I think we talk about it on our podcast all the time. It's a squad game. And the fact that he's got Bernabe nipping at his heels now and has been signed behind him, what a challenge him for that spot, reminds me of... The best we ever got of James Forrest back in the day was when he had Keir and Tierney in front of him and those two were battling for that right position under under Rogers. So, oh, yeah, so Forrest with Paddy Roberts, sorry, not Tierney. And the reason Taylor copped it with... Stunned silence there.
6: <laughs>
2: a few years ago, um, that's what I was going to say about Taylor, is where brought Tierney into it. People were comparing him to Tierney and saying he's not up to it. So it's good to see that that is no longer part of the narrative. But mm. I made sense of it eventually. <laughs> mm. But really yeah, think, I'd say yeah, Jack, uh, Jack and Macus I think has been great for us. Whenever we've seen him out there as well, he gives us something that we need at physical presence. Yes, he still presses and works hard, but I, I think he'd be another one that stepped it up for me.
1: Well, everybody knows I go to bed wearing Matt O'Reilly pajamas, so he's he for me. Is you do know? So simple, but um, I just think that. There's there's been a few one of the guys I'm really impressed by so far is Jens. I know he's just he's just yeah. came in, but I just think like expectation, I'm not sure you know how it was, and there was a few doubts, about it, but I think he's been a really excellent addition. Um Magnet Sixty seven comes in, I think Starfield will struggle to displace Big Jens. I think that's right. Just we Jim and I had a discussion with us, so I'll go back to Jim in, in, in a sec. On the sort of Jens versus Staffel. I just think the dynamic between... Because you've got to assume CCV is your number one starter, right? He's your, your sort of spine of the team. It's like him, CalMac, eh, Hart. You know, they're almost guaranteed starters. So it's a question of who's going to partner them. I and I think they've all got different qualities. For me, Jens has almost got a little bit of them all. So, Jim, we did a question about it before. How are you feeling about it? Do you think Staff going to struggle to you back in? I think Starfield's
3: been unlucky this season. It's a bit of a stop-start season for him. I think Ange would like Starfield and CCV. And until Starfield does something to get him out of the team, I think that'll be his back too. I think Jens has done well. I think what's been good about this season is the test is Europe. You know, for most of the games in the SPFL, you can stroll through the games. They'll be tested in Europe. And I thought Starfield... Starfield started didn't he, against Madrid, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He got injured. Was that was that Rangers game? I don't know. Injured against
4: Rangers came off. Was yeah. it?
3: Okay, so so, Jens played well against Real Madrid. Did well and did well the other night. So, yeah, he's been good. But I, I still think the Starfield combination, and I think people tend to think that Starfield's got a mistake in them. And that clouds their view a wee bit. But I think if everyone's fit, I think the big man will go with Starfield and CCV. And if Starfield has more than one mistake in him a game, then I think Jens will get his chance. Uh, so... I I think there's not much, and I think Yanes gives us a bit of a kind of more physical presence, at either side of the park, either end of the park. sorry. the, uh, and he's done nothing to let us down so far, and chipped him a few goals. So, it's a good issue to have, in terms mm. of the two. I think they're two decent players. I think, think Starfield got a bad rap, at the start. And I think football fans, football fans, once you decide somebody's rubbish, no matter what he does, he's still rubbish, you know. And I think it's of that with Starfield that no, no, he's just, a you know, bit. I think last year in terms of you know. Uh, how few goals we lost last year I think that's his, that, that's his back to, unless Stafffield does something very really bad and it's unfortunate for him I don't know how bad the injury is how long it's going to be out for him. but I suppose it gives Jens a chance to try and you know, uh, change Andrew's mind
1: mm. and the, the, the thing about it is you, you mentioned there the difference between the SPFL and in Europe so we'll, we'll come to the SPFL now we've got St Mirren we're back domestic action as the tagline says um, I think we've all been chomping at the bit to Get back to domestic action. Um, one of the players I want to talk about um, before we come to sort of squad lineups and stuff is Aaron Mori. So he makes his return to St Mirren. Um, I don't know how emotional I would be about it. I've even never being there, but he was a good player for them and sort of launched his career. Natasha, what have you made at Moy specifically so far? And then we'll come to sort of squad changes.
4: I have been so impressed by Aaron Moy. I really have. Um... Every time I've seen him, I think he's looked really good. He obviously had his very short cameo towards the start of the season. um, where He hadn't played much football. Yes, he was a little bit slow. He was maybe a little bit off the pace. But it's clear that he's been putting on a lot of work behind the scenes to get him up to to the standard, both in terms of how Ange likes to play and in terms of his levels of fitness, because he's looking really sharp now. Um, Every time I've seen him, I think he's looked really assured on the ball. And what I think Aaron Moy brings to the side is... He offers something we didn't have in the team before his arrival. He's got that different sort of range of pass. His precision with that longer range ball is exceptional and maybe offers slightly something a bit different to what the other midfielders had who are quicker, trickier, shorter passing. Um, That's that's not so much his game. Um, But when he came on in Donetsk, I thought he brought this really sort of calming, controlled presence to the middle of the park at exactly the moment we needed it, which is great game management from Ange. And I think he's a very... A player who's very, very composed on the ball. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming into the starting lineup against St Mirren. Um, I think we will see a bit of rotation, particularly in the forward lines. Um, and Aaron Moy is one that I I could see starting there.
1: I'll come back to you in a second for what your your lineup's mm-hmm. going to be and some of the decisions in that. Jared, uh, you maybe saw a bit more of Aaron Moy than most of us. I think the consensus seemed to be. He's a kind of no risk signing, but what is he actually going to bring? I happen to agree with Tasha. I think anytime he's appeared, he's looked calm, composed, relaxed, brought a bit of a measurement to proceedings, much like Jim Wall brings the axon. <laughs> 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 I, I think <laughs> he's been tumbleweed, nice. tumbleweed, tumbleweed. Oh, that's, tumbleweed.
4: A that's
1: a compliment. That's a compliment, Jim. That's, that's good. That's the real time and Yeah. Um, who like you again? So i just doing <laughs> my things and, and get excited. Who you again? Who you again? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, on you go, Jared. Sorry, I better than Jared. On you go. Um, so, yeah, so, Jared, he's been in a, a, a variety of positions. Is he surprised you or were you always confident he was going to settle in quite well?
2: I was unsure of him signing, not because of the player that he is, but more I couldn't see how he'd fit in because, like, Andrew wants to play fast and athletic and he's not that way. He tends to be more the – he looks like he's at steps lower, but he's so skillful that he makes up for it. So, like, the way he's been coming in, in, the, in the midfield lately, he looks like he's playing in his slippers, like he's out there just, like, running the show and nothing phases him, which is what I used to see him when he plays for Australia, when he plays for – when he was playing for Melbourne City over here, Huddersfield, same sort of deal when he was there, So, and Brighton, so he's not – The actual player, if we would have signed him on a transfer, he would have been probably a five, six million pound player. Mm -hmm. We got him for free. So that's happy days. But my concern was how was he going to fit in? And I had the exact same feeling about Joe Hart last year. So Mm -hmm. I've I've been proven that my gut feeling was wrong on both of them and I'm happily eat that humble pie. Perfect. Jim, which which your take on that
1: anymore? Again, I think you you had a a sort of – Expectation he was going to do quite a good passer, but I'm not sure I caught your feelings on your initial reaction. Like right? a lot of people, I, expectations on cause I, actually, I,
3: I, I couldn't remember him playing for St. Mirren for and, and didn't know what to expect. And I think, eh, getting back to that first impressions thing, that you know, when the who was it, Hitati came in last year and he scores a goal for 30 yards and scores two in the Glasgow Derby, you're thinking think well, he's good, whereas Moy comes in and I thought he was a bit
5: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: A bit slow at the start and a bit side-to-side yeah. side, passing the ball. I thought it was a bit like kind of Neil Lennon-ish, mm. you know, that was just going to just knock the ball out and actually didn't do very much. But I thought... As Natasha said, I think he's a bit more fit now. He's a bit more confident. He's got a bit more game time. Uh, he doesn't mean a tackle. I can't remember the game it was, but he put himself in, was it was Ross County maybe. He put himself in a few tackles and he, he obviously likes a pass. So lucky the other night, right at the death when he when he forces in ball and Marcus. So he likes a pass as well. So I think, again, he's somebody maybe want to see play five, six games. Starting five or six games to properly assess whether we think what he can bring to the party. But it's such a tough side to get into. Mm. I, I agree with Jared in terms of well who's whose place is he is he going to take? And you see for me he's not in the first eleven at this point in time, so it's up to him to try and push him on the first and maybe I I can have one of these uh, horses for courses
4: mm-hmm.
3: things where we play certain games and then they've also got the big uh, Danish lad whose name I can't say Abel Abel, Abel all, 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 all of us Big Danish guy. So how do you how do you fit all these players into the team so to answer the question I think Moyes got better and better I think it was good the other night I agree with Natasha I think he'll start in Sunday maybe for Matt O'Reilly maybe push Carmack further forward but uh, yeah he looks a decent player there had no expectation didn't know what to expect uh, and if Jared says he, he might have been a five or six million pound player and we got him for nothing then as you said Jared happy days yeah
1: I think that's right I think one of the other things he brings is about experience you know when we talk about Playing slightly deeper, so he's not the quickest anymore. But he's very intelligent. Many times he tackles, and many positions himself. So I think. I, that think, because it,
3: I think because the fans' of expectation when you when you play for Celtic, it's, it's almost like you have to do something, do something creative, do something good, score a goal. Whereas if you're just knocking the ball about from side to side, then it's like you know it's it's, it's, it's you think it's not that much. But obviously, is it a function to perform? So happy to make
2: Makes sense as well, though bringing him in. Because we lost the amount of experience we lost with Bitton and Rogic yeah. moving on from the yeah. midfield yeah. as well, you've got a lot of young guys. Like Atardé's played less than 100 first-team football games. Same with O'Reilly. So you've got those guys in there. You need to put some experience into the mix as well. So bringing Moy in for that reason makes sense. Mm-hmm.
3: It's a good call, Yared. Yeah, I think uh, having lost Bitton and then somebody like that, fair enough, yeah. Yeah.
4: I think even if he doesn't, you know, feature in the starting 11 overly regularly, I think he's a really strong option to have off the bench when we're looking to, you know, see a game out, show up in the middle of the park, maybe not looking to burst forward so much. He can be that player who sits just in front of the defence, you know, keeping that midfield tight, using that sort of long-range pass that he has, I think that is going to be a really key role for him this season, particularly, you know, like I mentioned, if he's coming on as a sub late in the game, the other team have tired slightly, we're getting a little bit more time on the ball and a little bit more time on the ball suits him and um, it gives him that time to, you know, play the passes he likes to play. So I think that could be a really important role for, for him going forward domestically.
3: Which is so what like James McCarthy would do, isn't it? Yeah. That? Mm. that was James McCarthy's job,
4: wasn't it? Yep. Yeah he's doing what we expected James McCarthy
1: to come in and do yeah. 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 one of the good things you mentioned there Natasha is that, you know options off the bench our bench is, is looking really strong just now we do have the option a, a change. we've also got the, the five subs now we can change half the outfield team um, in terms of changes do you expect any changes for the St Mirren game would you make changes and if so what changes would you make
4: yeah, I think there will be changes. I think we've we've seen it before, the importance that Andrew recognises of using the squad given how many games we have to play coming up. Um, you know, we're really in the thick of it now, we're in the thick of the group stage, the games are coming, you know, fast. So we are going to see squad rotation. And that's the real benefit of having the squad that we do. I think previously, if you look back to last year. There was a bit of a drop off. If you you had your starting eleven, and then you had the players who were slightly below them, and that the slightly below them was a relatively large jump in quality. I think what we're seeing this year is that just isn't the case. You do have pretty much for every single position, you have two players who are neck and neck in terms of how good they are, who are going to come in and play exactly the sort of football that we're used to seeing at the level we're used to seeing it played at. So for that reason there's no concerns about squad rotation. You know, you don't have to worry, oh, we're playing a bit of a second string. There is no second string when the second 11 are as good as the first 11 or just about. So I think that's a really positive position to be in. And because of that, I think we will see a few, quite a few changes for St Mirren. I think we're more likely to see them in the attacking areas of the pitch rather than defensively. I think Ange will still be trying to form, you know, that bond between Jens and Carter Vickers. So I think... I think that they might keep that in play. Um, I think Greg Taylor keeps himself a bit undroppable. Um, not, oh, unless you give, unless it's time to give Bernabe a shot. I don't know. Um, I, th- I would keep Taylor in. If we're going by a ping, I would keep Taylor in. I'd keep the defence the same, apart from maybe giving Ralston a run out. Juranovic is the sort of player who can maybe benefit from a break and keep him fresh for European football. But in terms of moving up the pitch, I think we are likely to see quite a few changes. The one that I would keep in... Um, who started against the next is Hak Um Obviously, he didn't get you know the, the full game. He played you know that that first half really. Um, so I think just in terms of you know giving him more game time, giving him more experience, I think he's one that will retain his starting position. And other than that, I think we're likely to see quite a few changes.
1: Lubo comes in. All contributors on this channel do a great job. Keep it up. What about that? Friday positivity continuing. This is absolutely excellent. Very uh, positive Friday
4: afternoon, isn't it? This nice. is great.
1: I, magnet comes in. and just built the house foundations. Now he's stylising it. I, I think like that. That's awesome. And yeah, 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 it's a good analogy, and it's a good analogy for kind of what he said he would do in terms of the infrastructure of the club. You know, he's made changes behind the scenes with the B team through the squad, so it, it's looking really well. Um, Jared, get back to the same question. As you? Would you make changes, and what changes would you make? I
2: lost the in game. i make a few, but last time on, on our pod I said, oh, you know, Andrew probably make three or four and there was eight changes going into the Rock <laughs> County game. So, you know, it doesn't matter what we say. We're, we're, not, we're just the armchair experts. Ange knows what he's doing. So as we've got enough talent there that we can make wholesale changes and still get the job done. So I'd like to see Burnaby get a game. I'd like to see Ralston come in and... I would actually like to see Abelgaard get a game as well. Whether that's off the bench for half an hour or start, who knows. But I'd like to see those guys come in and um, I'd actually like to see my Aida play as a striker instead of as a winger for once and see how that goes. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's a a
1: good take. And I think that's something that I, I actually when we were talking about players we're going to sign in the summer and do we need another striker? One of the things I said was I actually thought Abada could be that third option. I I, I think he's I think he's he sometimes looks like a striker playing out wide as opposed to a winger. Um I know you've had some thoughts on Abada, Jim, so we'll comment you on that question and again rotation. Would you rotate the squad? Do you think you will? Who would you play? Who would you like Just to me
3: see? Ask a question of Jared. Have you seen Maida play centre forward quite a bit
2: then? Oh I haven't, but Liam no. From our podcast, he had before Maeda was playing in Japan. When he was playing in Japan under Ange, um, he was at Matsumoto Yamaga, which was his team previous to where he previously played for Ange. And that's Liam's yeah. local club. And you see him play week in, week out as a striker. And yeah, he does a business. And when he plays as a for Japan, it's the same deal. He plays oh, more as a forward than as a winger. So for me, interesting. I yeah. think he's. He can play on the left, but he can also play as a striker. So that's probably why we signed Haxabanovich, so that if we do need to play Maeda as a striker, if one of the other guys gets an injury, we've got still got two options with Jodder and Haxabanovich on the left. We've still got two options on the right, where we've got Jotter can go to the right. We can play a barter there, or we can bring Forrest in. So we've got plenty of options on the wing, so we can make Maeda the striker. So, mm-hmm. it's, an quite,
3: option. It's, quite, I mean, it's quite an interesting point, because I, I don't think Maeda... Maeda is as technically as good as he possibly should be. I think he puts a lot of effort into the team and he chases, he'll chases. chase till the cows come home. Uh, but in terms of getting, maybe, maybe getting past people, not that good, I don't think he puts over much, much good, of, of good balls into the box. So maybe, maybe sent forward is his best position. Uh, in terms of the game, in terms of the question you've asked, Brian, we don't play for a few weeks. So, yeah. you know, I would always, it's the league, I'd play with the best team. Uh, and, the team we put out the other night, possibly if everyone's... Uh, if that was the best team of the guys who we were fit, then possibly we go with the same team again. I think I think the Haxabanovich one is interesting. I'd like to see him in one wing and Yota in the other and Yakimakis in the middle. Uh, maybe give the big man a, a game in Sunday. Uh, the rest of the team picks itself. And yet it'd be good to see certain players, but it's the league and we need to keep winning. And I, I would rather we play the best team we've got. And then if we go... A few goals up then, yes, you know, get those five subs on as early as possible. I and mean, before two or three goals up at half time, then you know, get, get four subs on at half time, just keep one keep one in reserve just in case of injuries and go for it from then. It'd be good to see these players, it'd be good to see what Burnaby's like, it'd be good to see what the big Danish lad is like, it'd be good to see Moy from the start, etc. But fundamentally we have to get three points on Sunday. So play the best team. and I think the team that played the other night, at this point in time is like the best team. So I would I would go with the team. What will Ange do? Who knows what Ange will do? Uh, and he's got that balancing act by trying to keep everyone happy. So if he doesn't give people starts, then that might cause a wee bit of unrest, and that kind of that kind of happy bond that we talked about earlier that makes it a bit more difficult to kind of to keep that in line. But for me, always play the best team that you can, uh, unless it's a competition that you're not that first about. The League Cup couldn't care, personally. My opinion couldn't care less. The Scottish Cup, my opinion couldn't care less so for me those are the games to maybe give the guys a start the other games in the league always play the best team try and get the game won early and then give as much time as you can to the other guys
1: Seems pretty pretty sensible to me um, we will come cool. back to you on the, the cup question because that question relate that uh, later um, mm-hmm. Natasha Jim mentioned playing your best team especially in your league that's always a priority we always want to you know, win that and, and, and do well also, this time last year, I think we'd lost three games at this stage. Heard me? This time we're five points ahead. How does that affect the players in a different way? So last year there was there wasn't we go back to this point in expectations, right? There wasn't mm. expectations on them because it was a sort of rebuild. The previous season was a disaster. So although they were behind, there was that hope. Oh, well, we'll see how it goes. Now they've exceeding expectations. I would suggest five points ahead. I know it's super early in the season, but if we keep streaming further and further ahead at this stage, does that make the players more confident, less confident? How's it affecting the opposition, what do you think?
4: I don't think it's the league table that's giving them the confidence so much as the way they're playing, the results they're getting and the response they're then getting from the fans. I think that's what builds the confidence. I think what they'll be doing and what Andrew really be making sure that they do is here we go with another cliche. It's just taking the game that they're playing in front of them. If they can go out there, play that game to the best of their ability, put on a good show, score some great goals, get the three points, make the fans happy, that's success. And that breeds confidence that you then take into the next game. It's up to the end of the season that you then look back on that and see how that looks on the league table. But you do just have to keep doing that one game at a time. And listen, it's, it's so early in the season. I mean... Of course, being five points clear is better than being behind. Any points clear is, is, is a positive thing. So yes, it's a positive. But like like Jota said, chill. It's, it's September. <laughs> we just you know we, we just have to look back at the example of last season when Ange is having it put to him that the league was pretty much wrapped up in November, wasn't it? Um, and we all know how that turned out. So yes, it's good to to be ahead. But I think the most important thing at this stage of the season is the performance and the way that we're playing football. If we were five points ahead, but we were scraping one nils and two ones, and I wasn't liking the way we were playing football, that five points ahead wouldn't mean as much as it does now. What What is important now is the fact that I'm looking at us and I'm looking at the way we're playing football and I'm looking at the way we're absolutely steamrolling teams domestically. That's what gives me confidence for the remainder of the season rather than the way that the table's sitting in September so as long as we can keep that level of performance up which it shows that there is absolutely no signs of stopping it then then yeah that's that's what makes me confident
1: Jared for you obviously you've saw some post, of post, those teams in the past winning second season it seems to be the steamroll effect where they keep getting better and better and better. is there ever been signs where they've been overconfident where it's fell apart a bit do you see
2: anything to that or do you think it's going to be a continuous path moving forward for us? We call it the second season syndrome with like You think first year's decent, second year they just go to another level and it just builds and builds and builds. And like, he's set an Australian all-sports record for most consecutive wins in his league competition over here at Brisbane Royal when they won 36, or well, not, sorry, undefeated. So, they were undefeated for 36 games and they won the league, League Cup double in that year. So, that was that's a positive. So, the way end seems to work is okay, great. We got we got a point during the week. Cool, that game's happened. On to the next one, and on to the next one, and on to the next one. As Natasha was saying, a game at a time. So we'll go out there, we'll play, we'll get the three points, put that to the side, and then go again the next game, and then do it again, and then do it again. And every game you want to be improving, whether that's your first touches better, whether that's your shapes better, whether that's you're a bit more clinical in front of goals. All these little things I'll just pick on something each time and try and improve it and basically if you get that incremental gains over the course of one season, two seasons, it's, it keeps growing and growing.
1: I think that's what just spoke about even with Europe wasn't it? Just those incremental increases to get better and better and better. Jim, I want to come to you first because you sort of mentioned something I want to talk about in terms of what constitutes good this season. So I think Expectations are, we need the league, right? Would that be if we get any finish in Europe after Christmas and win the league? Would that be enough, or is this idea of we've been I mean, we've been through a period where we won four trebles in a bounds Is that the benchmark now for a for a good season? and Manchester dominate completely, or do they have the, the opportunity? Maybe a, sort of not discount the cup games, but focus the league, use them in a different way. What's your thoughts?
3: I think before answering that question, the previous question you asked about the five-point lead and how do we feel at this point in time. I thought the 9-0 game was such a big marker. If you go to away from home and win 9-0, if you think how Celtic fans, how Celtic players thought before they played Real Madrid a week past on Wednesday, you're apprehensive. You're thinking, we could get real doing here. And that's how every other team in Scotland, and I'm saying every other team in Scotland, because the game, the Glasgow Derby a few weeks ago there, one, two, three. At half time. We should have went for that. It Should have been four, five, six, seven in the second half. Because if that had happened, we'd have lost their manager the next day. So if you're Saint Mirren, a couple of years ago, Saint Mirren came to Celtic Park, pretty confident picking picking something up. Saint Mirren won't be looking forward to the game. And suddenly, before a balls kick, they'll not be looking forward to the game because we put markers down like the 9 nothing's. I think they'll be thinking if we don't get doing today, that's good, you know. And that's a great psychological, you know advantage we've now got because football tends to be more psychological than anything so so going there on good form eh, they'll be apprehensive about playing us the five point lead what, what, what a five point lead gives you is the fact you've got a wee safety net there you can afford to drop a point and the opposite works for your rivals you know they've got Dundee the United tomorrow for 20 minutes to go and it's nothing each they'll be going mad because like, they can't afford to drop any points we can afford to drop any points. Not that you want to drop any points, but that's what the five-point lead gives you that week in a safety net to say that, well, even if you do drop points today, it's, it's, it's no disaster because we're still ahead. Uh, the question about expectations, uh, as I said earlier, we need to win the league. That's that's the main expectation. Uh, going beyond Christmas, I think, in any competition is fine. I think the Champions League would be fantastic. I mean, if we get with that group, it'll, it'll be great. What was your question, Brian? Sorry.
1: Please, <laughs> a what, of a tangent there. No, that's all right. Uh, what, what constitutes good, do you think, for, for Celtic supporters now? Win the league
3: and get into Europe after Christmas. That's simply that. Anything else would be a bonus. Uh, I think playing well in the Champions League is good, although it doesn't give you anything. But if you look back in the Champions League campaign and we do the toe-to-toe, head-to-head cliches again, that we went toe-to-toe with and did in the Bernabeu and we lost 2 nothing or something, we played really, really well. That's, you know, light years ahead of the Brendan Rodgers getting a dune in Barcelona, getting a dune off PSG. You know, that means we can compete. And then the point Jared made about incremental stuff, if we keep the incremental stuff going, then next season's even better than that. But then we have to win the league because winning the league shows you the best team in the country. You know, so if we didn't win the league this year, I also hope that if if, if we don't win the league or we go through a sticky patch, that the fans still are, you know, well behind Ange. They don't turn on Ange or turn on the players because, as somebody said earlier, he is building something really kind of special here, you know. And there may be some hiccups along the road, but winning the league, Europe after Christmas for me—that's that success. Yeah.
1: Jim had mentioned the, the the cup games been sort of maybe not take a leave, but of less sort of significance overall. Well, the
3: treble thing, Brian. So you mentioned the treble thing. I mean, I think that was that was such an unusual occurrence, an unusual achievement. I don't think you can measure yourself by by trebles I don't think I mean as I said if you're not that fussed about the cups the cups are just part of a treble the only thing a cup becomes important if if it's part of a treble and uh, is it such a big thing to win the league cup not for a team like Celtic if it's Hibs or or Aberdeen or St Johnson it's a huge thing but but for Celtic my opinion not that fussed if it's part of a treble then great Uh, but I don't think we should measure ourselves against, against trebles Europe is where you measure yourself against all the time i not measuring myself against St. Johnson's or Livingston with all due respect to them. You're measuring yourself against the Shakhtars and Leipzig's and, and maybe even Liverpool, Brian. Maybe even Liverpool.
1: You know. Maybe even. Maybe, maybe even. Maybe they beat them. Maybe beat them. Would have beat them. I beat them. <laughs> Natasha, yeah. I I, I see where Jim's coming from. I think mm-hmm. the League Cup win last season was really important because it was Angie's first trophy and it set a marker and I think that early season is really important. also kind of feel like and I am sure everyone feels the same that you want to win everything. Do you think do you do you do you think you always play your strongest team no matter what try to all? Or do you think the League Cups do represent a chance to sort of rotate, to try things, to maybe play some of the younger guys? Um as you look at the B squads, it's still no really there yet. Do you think that's a good opportunity, or do you think it all the <laughs> sort of blinkers <laughs> on?
4: The size of the club at Celtic and the players we have available to us, we should be able to compete strongly across every competition that we enter, including both of the Cups. Um, I expect us to win every Cup game that we play. That's the expectation that I have for the club. And I believe that we have the squad capable of doing that. Do I think that we play every player who just played domestically Champions League and then in the League Cup. No, like we will rotate it. And I fully appreciate that we'll rotate it depending on the competition. But who we rotate it to should and does have the ability to win the game in front of them. We talked on the show last week um, about the second 11, if you like. We used the Celtic's last starting lineup and then we compared that against another 11 that could have stepped into their position and every player that could have stepped in I believe would be capable of challenging for the league title if not winning it um, and that's talking about a second 11 if you like and I know we don't really have that with the squad that we do so if we do have that available to us then we should certainly be capable of going on and winning both cups um, regardless of squad rotation um, I, for me personally and I know I know this isn't quite what Jim was saying. I want us and expect us to to go out and try and win every single competition that we're playing in. Um, does the cup bear less importance to me? It just bears a different importance, to be honest. I want us to win all of them. Um, I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't think it. Well, I think having, I think I would
3: want I'd, I'd want and expect to win. Yeah, every I, game that they play in, and, and I think the Ross County game backs you up there that you can make eight changes. Yeah, you're still got enough. But if we get knocked out the cup. What well, I'm saying, in my opinion, I'm not that first. You want to win it? You expect to win it? But yeah. it's no big deal, in my opinion. No
4: I, yeah, I, it would be a big deal to me. I think if we went and got knocked out of the cuff, I would be, that I would be disappointed. Not as disappointed as I would um, at dropping, I don't know, six points in our next couple of domestic league games, but it would still be a, a big deal to me. And I think it would be a big deal to Ange. I think he's very much a winner who he doesn't like losing, he would treat it as a big deal. But I do I do get what Jim is saying and that it isn't as important as perhaps Champions League or the league. Um, but I think my expectations are high enough that we should be doing it all.
1: Jared, we've got a question coming in from one of the commentators for you. But just before we get to that, just to finish off, Natasha, do you think, ever do you think, I mean, most of the, the B team, and I say, I'm not sure that it's, it's, it's quite working out there now. Do you think, you'd be happy to see some of the younger guys come into the squad for League Cup games? Or do you think that would be unfair in case the result went against them? Because say you made eight changes just now with this squad, you're fine, right? But if you make eight changes and you put maybe four youth players in there and it goes wrong, they're going to get the blame probably. So how do you see that?
4: We just need to be careful with their development and I'm sure that that is a well-worked plan between Ange, um, O'Day and McManus. And... Um, we do know that there's now a stronger link between the B team and the first team to create a clearer pathway, so if they'll ha- they'll know between them which players are ready to step up and when. I wouldn't be throwing any of them into to a league cup game. Um, if they weren't ready for it, I don't think that their own managers and McManus and O'Day would do that to them either. But if there's some of them starting to show signs that they are on the brink of breaking into the first-team squad and being part of that squad, then, yeah, I probably do recognise the, the Cup games as an opportunity for them to perhaps have some minutes off the bench and come into it. You know, if we are trying to get them into the first-team squad and playing at the first-team football level, they are eventually going to have to break into that team. And that's probably more of an opportunity to do it. Um, looking at the B team at the moment, who those players are likely to be, I'm not quite as clear on that at the moment. We've certainly been hearing th- good things about Vata. We've been hearing good things about Lowell. Um, we know that those sort of players, Johnny Kenny as well, trained um, with the first team during pre-season. So they're the sort of names that I would start to perhaps expect to see maybe on the bench in some of the, the cup games Um as they look to break into the first team squad. I don't think any of them would be put straight into any starting lineup.
1: No, I think that's I think that's um that, that's pretty fair. Um Strange love the doctor or how I learned to love Axel, the man with one of the best handles mm-hmm. available at the moment, and a regular contributor comes in to say, Jared, could you explain the limitations in the Australian League for clubs? Is it more of a level it's more of a level playing field, isn't it? Jared, over yeah. to you, can you elaborate?
2: Yeah, it is. So basically they've got – I've just looked it up. They've had a – there's a salary cap for the league. So every team can spend a maximum of $2.6 million Australian dollars on their squad of 25 players. Now they have a minimum spend 90% of that. So they've got to spend at least <clears> – <throat> is it like $2.25 million or something like that is the minimum that all the clubs in the league have to spend for their players. So that's the base level. Then – that's where Central Coast Mariners tend to spend. Then you have your marquees on top of that. So you can have two marquee players. So when Ange was in the league back at Brisbane, there was one Australian marquee, one an international marquee. So you get paid outside of the salary cap. So you'd have 23 players getting paid within the salary cap, and you'd have two players outside of the salary cap. You could spend whatever you wanted on them. So like Melbourne Victory, my local team here, they had um, Keske Honda play for them a few years back. And I've never seen so many Japanese people at a football stadium in my life coming in just because he's here and he's just such a quality player. And he was getting paid outside the cap. I think he was earning about $3 million a season. He was earning more than the whole squad on his own. So that shows the levels you get of it. Now, what they've brought in this season is a designated player on top of the, the marquees. So you're allowed like a certain player that's $1.2 million is contributed by the overall league to the club to pay on top of it. So, again, my local club, um, Melbourne Victory, they've gone and signed Nanny, the guy who was formerly at Man United and all that stuff. So we've got him down here for this upcoming season. So you've got them. And then the last thing as a restriction is if you're 25-man squad, you're only allowed five international players who aren't Australian or New Zealanders. So That's we really joke- we joke there's a lot of recycling going on in our league where players go from club to club to club to club within the league and journeyman. Because they'll get like a two-year deal at a club then the next and after that they'll go to the next club, then they'll go to the next club. So that's kind of the restrictions down
4: here. Mm, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's good, Jared. Look at that. It's Friday for the bit of fun, fit some predictions, some some things aren't they. Now we've got a bit of wisdom as well. Cheers for that, Jared. Um Paddy Lavery comes in. How many of the Axel and crew are going to Grace's in January? Um, yes. Looks going to be a, a brilliant event. Um, Natasha, you'll be there.
5: Um, I
1: will. Hopefully, hopefully um, a lot of us will try and make it there. It's going to be a, a great event. Um, we can sign up. How is it the guys sign up and buy tickets for that?
4: Uh, check out the Twitter feeds. All the details are available on there. Um, shaping up to be a, a really good night, and hopefully, all these people we regularly chat to in the comments will actually get to meet you in real life. How fantastic will that be? Yeah, it
1: would be excellent. Um, it depends who you meet. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: away. Kevin Graham.
3: Yeah. Maybe Kevin Graham. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pay. not to meet
1: Kevin. You're
4: listen, <laughs> <laughs> listening, Kevin.
1: he's listening. Always listening. He yeah. comes cool. in. Please don't let him Only Kevin kidding. Please don't let Ange leave for some minuscule English financially doped team. Never happened. never. So, no, no chance. I don't believe that either. We certainly won't let him leave. It's up to I, him really. But I don't if, see anyone thought,
4: if anyone thought that that was a possibility, they have not been watching or listening to Ange or have any understanding yeah. of the sort of person that he is.
3: No. Unless, no. unless the board let him down in some way, Ange ain't leaving for a while. Ange is here for the long haul.
2: It's just yeah, the stupid idea. Australian media. There it is. It's Australian media feeding in because we've seen it over here with like Fox Sports and them in particular going. Angeline to Brighton. How good's the Premier League? But they don't even really cover the Scottish League. It's not like it's an office Sports or it's a Bean or a Code or one of the other guys over here who actually give a damn about what Ange is doing at Celtic. It's these guys just wanting a headline. So it's all yeah. clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah, yeah.
1: clickbait, nonsense. Um, although what I'd like you to do is click on like and subscribe <laughs> if you're because it's really important. What oh, seamless Brian!
3: Well done, Brian. Listen,
1: brilliant. We get man, you back
3: more. This a good yeah. Laura. Who? Laura? Who? Yeah. That, <laughs> no, no, guy, no, he's
1: good. That guy's no, no, is good. No. Laura, Laura, will be back soon. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, it's always a pleasure and a Friday. And as always, be kind to each other. Enjoy the football, and we'll speak to you soon.